0: Last Sunday afternoon, I went to a one year old birthday party. And, uh, you know, usually we have pictures on the big screen. I thought I would save you that boredom this morning. Uh, but if you're really interested, I can show you about 100 or 200 after worship today. Uh, I'd be glad to do that as a proud grandpa. Uh, but anyway, I went to this birthday party, I'll tell you, first birthday, I'd been to a first birthday party in let's uh, see my son's 29, 28 years. Uh, and first birthday parties are not what they used to be. That's what I found out. That they are an occasion with a capital O C C A S S I O. It, it, it was in caps uh, the way this particular party was. Uh, but there was a there's a few things that I recognized that were you know that were the same when my kids were small. Um, one was the birthday candle. You know we did light it, we did sing, we did blow it out for you know what well, we know one year olds can't do that. Uh, the other thing was right after we blew out the candle uh, we put her hand in the frosting. And you know, with babies, as soon as their hands are on anything, it goes right into their mouth. You know, so he put her hand in the frosting, her hand went right into her mouth, just like it's supposed to happen. And when that hand went into her mouth, all the bells and whistles went off. I mean, you could tell all those little taste buds. This was something, I think she was pretty much sugar-free before this, you know, so it's like, whoa, man, this is phenomenal, you know, Uh, sweet, you know. Tasting sweet for, I don't know if it was the first time, but it was one of the early times. And you could just tell, man, this registered with her. I- I'll tell you, you, you have a moment like that. And when you have a moment like that, you know, when it comes to sweet, she'll, she'll never be able to go back again. You know? <laughs> she'll never be able to go back the way it was before she tasted sweet again. You know she'll never forget that. She can't erase that. She can't undo that. She's been exposed. She's been exposed to to something sweet. And she's tasted that. You know, music can be the same way with kids. I've seen kids, and they can be really itty-bitty small kids, and they, you hear this catchy tune, and, and you can watch the uh, child, and they kind of get caught up in the music, and their, their face lights up, and the, the music's in them, and they're in the music, and so they start wiggling or dancing or however you want to describe that, you know, and, and you just watch that, and you're thinking, this is, is having a formative effect on them. And they'll never again live in a world where they won't know what music is. They'll never be able to go back. They'll never be able to undo. They'll never be able to forget. It's part of their experience. They've been exposed to music. Friends, as we're here this morning, we have been exposed to Easter. You and I have been exposed to Easter a couple of weeks ago. We gathered together and we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ with all of our might, with, with all the fanfare that we can muster here in Spring Valley. I mean, we pulled out all the stops, and we had all uh, you know, we had all the brass, we had all the lilies, we had great choir, and, and uh, you know, it, it was just a it was a magnificent morning, and, you know, and, and it lifted us all up. And in that morning. We had a chance to taste again that life triumphs over death, and that love is what rises in our lives, and we had a chance to be moved, our hearts be moved again with hope with hope of what it means to have a risen Savior who is in our world today and and in our lives today. And we we celebrated that with all of our might. And once you celebrate that with all of your might, you can never go back again to the way life was before Easter. You cannot undo that experience. You cannot wipe it out of your mind. You, You can forget it. It's part of who you are. It's part of who I am. It's what we celebrated together. You know? You can't go back. You can't go back. In the scripture this morning, as we read through the scripture, I want to tell you that's precisely what Peter was trying to do. He had been exposed to Easter, but he was trying to go back. When, it, when we read in the scripture when Peter says, I am going fishing, I want to tell you the risen Lord probably pulled his hair out in that moment. Because here's what's happening with that. It is a statement of regression. It is a relapse statement. It is a BC statement in the AD world. It is a before Christ statement in a world where Jesus Christ is alive. I tell you, when he says, I am going back fishing, and the other six say, oh, we're going to go with you, I think Jesus must say, oh, my gosh. Because here's what happens. You've got to think about Peter's personal history. You know, before the resurrection, before the crucifixion, before all that time he spent with Jesus, Peter was a fisherman. And he fished in the Sea of Tiberias. He fished in the Sea of Galilee. And that's where Jesus found him. That's where he found him at the beginning. As he found him at the beginning, that's where he called him and said, Peter, you know, we got better things to do than simply fish. I want to help you be a fisher of men, a fisher of people. And so fishermen became fishers of men. And they were welcomed into that mission and into that purpose in life and so jesus kind of brings them all the way along in that purpose all the way through the crucifixion all the way through the resurrection and they're here at this point and peter says well i'm going to go back to the way things were i mean he's like oh my gosh i just can't imagine that you know and he tried it and when they tried it you know i have read the results in the scripture this morning they came up empty. They went out, and when they tried to do what they had done before the resurrection, when they tried to do what they had done before they met Jesus, what happened was something was missing. They came up empty. The empty nets in the scripture this morning kind of symbolize an emptiness in their lives. And they tried their best to fill it. It said they fished all night. Now they tried to go back to the way things were and they fished all night and they could not fill that emptiness. They had been exposed to the risen Christ. They tried to go back. They couldn't fill the emptiness. You know, I say sometimes you think, well, that's just about a Bible story, but I want to tell you, I think sometimes it's our story as well, because here's what happens to me maybe this happens to you. Two weeks ago, we all gathered here, and like I said, we all celebrated, and we all were lifted up, and it was just phenomenal, fantastic, you know, and then what happens is, uh, you know, that glory for me lasts about maybe two days, three days. You know, I love Easter morning, and then Monday I'm still kind of with the program, and Tuesday, I'm still kind of with the program, and Wednesday, I'm kind of going downhill. Thursday, you know, kind of down a bit further from, you know, life slides back to normal is what I'm I'm saying whatever your normal is life slides back from that easter pinnacle where you kind of claim the risen presence of the risen christ and kind of goes back well this is the way things always were and i just kind of find myself the glory kind of fades and i think that's a pretty common experience i think again that's probably why it's been kind of put in the scripture this morning is that's part of of the walk of following jesus things kind of kind of slide back and they and they slide down and when they do that what the scripture says this morning is that you know that something is missing you know that life is a little less than it could be because you have experienced that there is something more You've come to Easter and you have worshiped you know, and that there is a risen savior and you have worshiped that love lifts you up and you have worshiped in ways that you believe in the power of grace and you know that in your heart. It's, it's part of who you are. But yet things kind of, they kind, of, they kind of slide away. I always think, well, you know, it's kind of like we have Easter and we always have tax day, you know. <laughs> kind of two weeks later, well, that kind of sums it all up and kind of, and kind of how life works, you know. The scripture says this morning there was this emptiness. And what the scripture says this morning is how Jesus begins to deal with that emptiness because I love what what the text does today is that the risen Christ is the reality check in terms of that emptiness. What we see in the scripture this morning is that jesus comes stands on the beach looks out at the disciples who have where their ends their nets are empty and he calls out to them and he asks them the question you always ask somebody who goes fishing have you caught anything is what you always ask a fisher person except you know he asks it in a much more pointed way what he says in the scripture this morning is you haven't caught anything have you you know it's kind of like Let's look at the obvious here, guys. You know, how's it working for you going back to normal? What's happening with all that? What are the net results? When you go back to the way life was before the resurrection, what are the net results? Let's look at it. You know, I mean, that's what's happening here. It is a reality checked by the risen Christ. And as he takes the reality check, I think reality checks are a good thing because reality is always our friend. Reality is always your friend and my friend. And so Jesus makes the check because what reality does is it kind of wakes up the disciples. I think it invites us to, to wake up and, to sin. and what Jesus says, hey, you know, if the nets are empty, if it's not working for you, try something different. <laughs> Fish on the other side of the boat. You <laughs> know? If it's not working for you, fish on the other side of the boat. The other side of the boat is the resurrection side of the boat. The other side of the boat is the Easter side of the boat. The other side of the boat is the side of the boat. We celebrated when we gathered two weeks ago. The other side of the boat is where you and I believe. In the breakthroughs and the power of God in our lives. And in our world. The other side of the boat is where the presence of the risen Christ. Is a possibility for you and for me and for all. The other side of the boat is when we come to worship. And we worship in the wonder that God is here the other side of the boat is where we decide to share in the sufferings and struggles of our neighbors because that's the definition of compassion the other side of the boat is when we speak up and stand up for justice and what is right in terms of God's will and the life of the world that we pray for that kingdom come that will be done the other side of the boat is where we love the Lord with all our heart soul mind and strength the other side of the boat is where we love our neighbors Jesus loved us you and I can quote all those kind of scriptures because that we know the other side of the boat we have been exposed to the other side of the boat and so what Jesus says is hey if you find yourself at a place where you say hey the net is a little empty I want to give you an invitation the other side of the boat is there The other side of life is there. The resurrection side of life is there. The Easter side of life is there. Try dropping your net there. And they did. And here's what happened. And we read what happened. What happened when they dropped their net on the other side of the boat is that they found that they were fishing in a reality that was bigger than them. That was beyond them. You know... They tried a different approach, and they got these different results. They found that what was happening is they were living life, and they were fishing in the generosity of God. And by the generosity of God, I mean the fullness of God. I mean the richness of God. And I'm not talking about financial. I'm not talking prosperity, guys. I'm talking in terms of spiritual. I'm talking about love and grace and that richness that God brings into our lives. And they were dropping their nets in that reality, And you see, the point, I think, of the scripture here is not what they caught. I think the point of the scripture is how God filled their nets. See, because when you fish on that side of the boat, it's not about what we can do. It's not about what we can catch. It's about how, when we are willing to live in that will of God and drop our nets in that place, how God begins to fill your net, how God begins to fill your life. What God can do that we can't do for ourselves. That's what the scripture brings out. They couldn't do that for themselves. That's what God was doing in their lives. That's what they're invited to do, is to drop their nets and see how God will fill their nets, see how God will fill their lives. That is the invitation of the resurrection. And so what happens is they do that and they experience how God will fill their lives. And I love what happens next is that John leans over to Peter and says, Hey, Peter, I think it's Jesus. You know, oops, I should do it in the way of my microphone. That <laughs> well, you can hear it. So Peter, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would get Peter, I, I think it's Jesus. You know, that's, this is how Jesus operates when stuff like this kind of goes crazy. You, you know, this is, this is Jesus. And, and, you know, you've got to love Peter because he is one of the most impulsive guys in the Bible. Because when he hears it's about Jesus, he is all in. He is literally all in. He plunges in. He takes the dive. And he dives deep. I want to tell you, friends, that's discipleship. When it's like, hey, this is about Jesus. And you say, hey, you know, I'm going to take the plunge. I'm all in. I'm diving. And I'm diving deep. Because I know when I start to follow Jesus Somehow God is going to start Filling my nets in ways That I have never experienced before In ways that as I live my life I'm not quite sure how it's going to happen I can guarantee when they went out that morning They didn't think they were going to catch 1,053 fish I like that I always like extra zeros Preachers always like extra zeros in the middle of things Just let you know that If you want to sign your check and put an extra zero We are good with that You know, But But, you know, I mean, here's, you get the picture. You drop your nets, and you drop it in faith, and you take the plunge, and you start seeing what God's going to do. And that's what Peter did. That's what he began to experience. That's what we're invited to experience. That's what discipleship is all about. You follow Jesus as best you know how, as best I know how. And what will happen is as we do that, at whatever level we can, it doesn't matter. We just decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not turning back. I'm I'm going to follow Jesus. And as I follow Jesus, you watch how Jesus will grow his grace in you and grow his grace through you and bring blessings to the people around you. And bring blessings to the world through you. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to take that plunge. And I love the way the scripture ends today. Because the scripture says when we do that it's a brand new day. The scripture ends and it's a new sunrise. And what happens is the picture that you get is that they're on the beach. And, you know, it's the pinks and purples of the sun coming up and that, that fresh warmth that comes when the sun, you know, the rays of the sun kind of, you know, the night's kind of going away and, and the warmth of the day is kind of coming in. And you, and you hear the waves lapping up on the shore and you hear the crackling of the fire and you smell the fresh bread and you, and you smell the, the roasting fish and it just kind of invites you uh, into that place. And as you come into that place, I I can't help but think that Peter probably thought, you know what? I've kind of been here before. Not so much the setting. Because this is a seaside setting, but on a hillside setting. I've been here before because the menu was the same. The fish and the loaves. I've been around fish and loaves before. I've been around fish and loaves and emptiness before. Because on a hillside just, you know, a while back, what happened is there was a crowd of people and they all had empty stomachs as well as empty hearts. And they had come and Jesus had said to us, you feed them. And what we found out was by ourselves, we couldn't do that. that we were empty of the ability to do that. But what happened in that setting is that Jesus was with us. See, that's the essence of the other side that Jesus is with us. Five loaves, two fish. Most important, Jesus was with us. And Jesus filled all those stomachs and 12 extra baskets. And Jesus filled their hearts and their minds with a picture of the abundance of the grace of God. And that Peter says, you know, I've been here before. I kind of know how this works. And I'm here in this new day. And I'm here with my Savior. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fish from the other side. I'm going to fish from the other side. The side of faith where God fills your life, where we take the plunge. As we take the plunge, we find that we are in the presence of the one who is the risen Christ. May God bless all of us with that Easter faith. Because I want to tell you, friends, we have all been exposed. We have been exposed to Easter. And once you've been exposed to Easter, you can't turn back. You can't undo it. You can't turn back. In a moment, we're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided. You've decided. You've made that decision to take the plunge. To follow Jesus. There's no turning back. There's no turning back.